Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game. We are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and if you listen to this show, you know it doesn't take much to get me giddy, particularly during the college soccer season, and I am as giddy as you can be today. A power show on Friday night for the first time ever on FS1. College soccer will take center stage as Sasso Sorosky's Maryland Terrapins welcome in the back-to-back-to-back men's national champion, Stanford. I'll be on the call, and Sasso Sorosky joins me first. He's now in his 26th season at Maryland, 23. Three NCAA appearances, two-time national champion. He goes to the NCAA tournament every single year and usually runs deep. And then Anson Dorrance, perhaps the greatest coach any sport in college, any gender of all time, 40 amazing years at North Carolina, 22 national titles. And when you combine his 829 wins for UNC women with his 172 wins for UNC men in his early years, he's sitting at 1,001 total wins. Sasso Sarosky, Anson Dorrance, enough said. Let's go after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash United. Once again, here's Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. And as promised, this is a massive week. Really, the trailblazer, the trendsetter, the pioneer for college soccer. There's been a lot of them, but the guy who's been keeping the flame going over the years without question is Maryland's uber-successful head coach, the Maryland Terrapins men's head coach, Sasso Sarosky. And now on FS1 for the first time ever, men's college soccer, Friday night, Ludwig Field, home of the crew, the house that Sasso built. It's going to be Maryland against three-time defending champion Stanford. So you know we got to start the show with Sasho. Sasho Sarosky is with me now. Sasho, thanks for being with us. Dean, great to be with you. And we're, we're extremely excited for our first Friday night light home opener. It's always a great event on this campus. And I think Friday with uh, with uh, the marquee matchup and what, what Stanford has been able to do over the last three years, uh, I think it's going to be an exceptional evening and a great showcase for college soccer. And, and the fact that... It'll be the first ever college soccer game on FS1. That's just another layer to the story of Friday, and I can't wait to get going. I'm certainly glad you're making the call, my friend. Well, I certainly have been lucky enough to be there for a ton of great attendances. We're going to get to that in a second, but this whole Friday night thing and Friday night under the lights, Sasha, you've been going at it for a long, long time. I mean, just remind everybody, you know, how you made it a mission years and years and years ago to get Division One college soccer the primetime TV exposure. Well, I've always wanted to uh, make college soccer significant uh, nationally, but it always starts on your own campus. And, you know, we've worked for many, many years to try to build a soccer-only facility here, but due to financial constraints, we haven't been able to do that. But I've always kept in mind, what can we do to make the game exciting, both by the on-the-field product, but also the, the game day experience for student-athletes. So, you know, back about, uh, you know, 
15, 16 years ago, I came up with the idea that we want to get the students closer to the field, and we, we put some stands behind the goal, put some stands inside the track. We had permission by our university to support all those endeavors. You know, we opened up with UCLA in 2003, and we the students just got so excited. They became part of our team, uh, part of the experience, um, and now we've we've made the games a lot of fun. Uh, people really enjoy the fact that uh, it feels like a small, intimate, uh, e- you know, EPL stadium. And uh, when people come to the games, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, it's been great. And, uh, you know, I've always felt that there was a niche on Friday nights uh, because the only thing typically around was high school football. And there was, you know, Saturdays and Sundays are very difficult to draw big crowds. Saturday nights, we sometimes do well. Sundays, you compete against the NFL. That's very difficult. So I started pushing this idea of our own version of Friday Night Lights, and uh, if you notice on my schedule, the great majority of our games we do play on Friday nights, and uh, I think it's, it's well known in this area that uh, there's something exciting happening, you know, every other Friday in College Park, and the community comes out, and, uh, you know, we've set a lot of attendance records, and we hope to do the same on Friday. We'll have probably at least 5,000 students at the game, and hopefully another three or four from the community, and hope to get a huge crowd. It's an early start, so that might be a late-arriving crowd with the traffic in the area, but I think it's going to be a special night. The game does start at 6 o'clock against three-time defending champion Stanford. And Sasha Swarovski mentioned those crowds. I mean, here are the top attendances at Ludwig Field. And I've been lucky enough to be there for a lot of them as part of the then-named NSCA College Game of the Week on Fox Soccer. Ironically, uh, in 10th place, it's 7,178 back in 2011 against Stanford, Sasha. So we want to try to beat that one. But your top five, we had the call on the Big Ten Network, 8,449 against UCLA that thriller in overtime. That was incredible. A couple back-to-back games against Duke in 2013-11. 2017, last year, UCLA game, we had to call 7,532. Can we knock uh, close to that 8,449 number on Friday night? Well, well, that's our goal, Dean. That's our goal. We've uh, we've opened up a few uh, additional uh, entrances and exits to satisfy the fire marshal, so hopefully he'll let us let more people in there. There's been a few games where we've had to shut out uh, people and they've had to watch from the outside, which we can't count in our in our crowd count, but uh, no, it's exciting. It, it, it's uh, I think there's already a lot of buzz on campus, um, and it's certainly a very big game for us. Uh, you know, we, we didn't get off to a great start against a really good Washington team last week, so this is a very important game for us uh, to get a result, and uh, of course, Stanford being Stanford Stanford is is, uh, is, is going to be an incredible challenge, so we're looking forward to it. All right, one more thing on the crowd, and you touched on it already, the students. They named themselves the crew several years ago. Talk about how awesome the crew is. Well, they make the whole experience fun. The, you know, our players love them. Our, our, uh, I think our opponents actually love them. I think there's a lot of teams that come here want to play because they, it's, it's a great experience for their programs and teams. And in many ways, Dean, this is these early games here have been uh, the highlight of many teams' experiences over the past, uh, you know, 10, ten years or so when we haven't been able to get the College Cup right uh, because you're playing for a, a packed house, nationally televised game in good weather conditions. Conditions. And uh, uh, this is the way the national championship should be rather than middle of December. But the, the, the crew is great. You know, they name themselves the crew because they want to be the hardest working fans in America. Um, and, and they travel with us. They, they make trips to Rutgers, to Penn State, to Georgetown. The, the, you know, uh, they 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 show up in, in places like Ohio. We actually had a 20 uh, 
20 members of the crew that happened to work in the Seattle area when we played Washington, and there was Let's Go Maryland chance at the University of Washington game. So uh, that's a pretty special thing. So we're, we're, I'm extremely uh, humbled by their support. All right. Uh, you said it already, this schedule. I mean, this is the this is the most brutal schedule I've ever seen in 25 years of calling games. I'm telling you, I, I, I can't imagine a tougher schedule. If there is one, you probably – had it some time ago, but I mean Washington, Stanford, Virginia, UCLA, West Virginia. Your first five games, but folks, check this out. Then they get into Big Ten play against Northwestern. Then William and Mary. That's an NCAA caliber team almost every year. A couple Big Ten games, including against the Big Ten tournament champion Wisconsin, Coastal Carolina. Always right there, a super team outside of the Power Five. Georgetown, right down the road. Denver with Jamie. Franks, I mean, are you crazy, Sasha? What's going on? Yeah, I might be. I'm getting a little bit older. Maybe, maybe finality is, is finally hitting me. Yeah, it, the schedule looked really appetizing in February, but now, now the reality is like, oh my goodness. Uh, now, look, it's exciting. It's exciting. You know, there's uh, a high risk, high reward with schedules like this, and uh, we know it can it can bite you uh, in the butt if you don't get enough W's. But at the same time, this is what excites me. This is what uh, I, I want to do, and. Uh, Recognizing that uh, we play a lot of really good teams, and I appreciate you you talking about the, how great our schedule is. But I'm also real proud of a lot of my uh, colleagues because I, I I think this might be a little bit over the top, as you mentioned. But uh, you know, this is a common thing in college soccer, and I think it's growing the game in a very good way because there's a lot of great games uh, early on in the season. Uh, you know, last week Indiana traveled to play Wake and Carolina, and I think that's just it's great for the Big Ten. It's great for the country that. Uh, uh, that we can get some of these great non-conference games at the beginning of the year. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, the crowds show up all around the country, but uh, none bigger than Ludwig Field. Sasha Swarovski now in his 26th year as the top man at Maryland for 28 years, total Division One soccer, 2008-2005 national champion, 23 NCAA postseason appearances, three Big Ten championships in the tournament, two Big Ten regular season championships, six Atlantic Coast Conference tournament championships, eight appearances at the College Cup, and let's talk about that run, and then we're going to transfer it over to what Stanford has done. In 98, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005 when you won it, 2008 when you won it, 2012 and 2013, you went to the College Cup. So in that one span, you went four straight years. You won one of them. You know, you lost those first three, and then in one 2005, and now you see what Stanford has done. I mean, how, how do you, first of all, talk about about that run that you had and then the run that Stanford's on right now. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dean. Yeah, that was a that was a great run from 2002, with culminating with the national title in 2005, and you know, with a few breaks here or there, uh, there's a good possibility that we could have won multiple titles because I had a, a group of players on that team who were terrific leaders, uh, you know, just really talented players that. Uh, you know, decide to stay in school uh, during that run, and like I said, we you know we in 2004 we lost a you know double overtime game to a good Indiana team that won the title that year. In 2003, uh, we lost a heartbreaker uh, to St. John's after us shooting them 19 to four. 
Uh, and then we, we lost to a UCLA team, uh, you know, that, that ended up winning the title in 2002. So we were within a, a few breaks here or there to maybe becoming multiple championship winners, but it's really, really tough at that level. And, uh, of course, we were able to come back, get our second one. And then, you know, we, we've been in the big uh, big weekend a number of years, and as much as uh, it's been great to be to eight of them, I feel like we should have been to more of them. So <laughs> I feel a little bit empty still that uh, there was a few Elite Eights that we 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 uh, we didn't advance at. But, no, look, it, it, it's wonderful. Um, but as you alluded to, what Stanford has done with three in a row, that that's quite a remarkable achievement. Uh, there is more parity in a college game now than ever. Um, I think what Bruce Arena did back in the 90s from 91 to 95 was, was or 91 to 94 was, was you know, uh, we felt that that could never happen. And, he, and here you have a Stanford team that's won three, and uh, I'm sure they'll be a contender again this year. Uh, it, it's, um, uh, that, that, you know, I think all of us tip our hat to Jeremy Gunn and, and the, the Stanford players for having that resilience and, and that competitiveness and that grit to, to find a way to you know to win these championships i mean that's uh that's incredible and they should be celebrated for that and and uh you know we're glad that they're coming out here and we get get a chance to test ourselves against them early in the year well and one of the things that uh i love about your approach to you know college soccer and you already said you know you tip your hat to some other coaches that are taking on big schedules but you've always kind of had this east west thing it almost reminds me kind of the rap music industry you know with the Mm -hmm. west coast and east coast ucla was always part of that and they're continually I mean you know like I said you got UCLA next Friday but it's always been important to you to have this sort of east-west battle hasn't it yeah, I think it, it's great for the game to grow. You know, UCLA, uh, we're going to open up, or we're going to go play at their place next year, excuse me, and we play each other four years in a row. And, uh, uh, you know, they're always eager to, to come and play here, and we're eager to, to return to play there. So I think it's, uh, I think, you know, rivalries are very important in any sport. Um, you know, we've developed a really nice rivalry now with with UCLA and really the Pac-12. Every year we're playing, whether it's Cal or Stanford, Washington. So so I, I have great respect for their conference, and we try to get at least one or two games a year. This year we have three from the Pac-12. Um, also trying to resurrect a rivalry with the University of Virginia. And we'll be playing at Audi Field uh, on Labor Day weekend as well. Um, because I think rivalries are important. And I think it, it, it really uh, piques the curiosity of the fan. And I think it's, it's a good showcase for the game. So um, I'm, I'm happy that I'm playing my part in, in growing the game uh, through big games like that. A few more here with Sasso Sarosky, as I said when I started the show, a true pioneer trailblazer for all things good about college soccer. The fact that uh, he's had these great attendances, building this incredible atmosphere, the fact that he's pushed for these Friday night lights. Now, Sasso, you've also been pushing uh, as hard as anybody for the year-round season, but where do we stand on that, Coach? Yeah, so we've... uh we're pushing forward, Dean. It's a it's a slow process. I think it's it can be frustrating for some of our coaches and fans and and student athletes. But uh, these things take time. I think we've been very meticulous and patient. At the same time, we're doing a lot of work uh, background. A lot of my colleagues uh, are are doing great work uh, around the country, including Jer- Jeremy Gunn from Stanford and Carlos Samoano at UNC, uh, and so many others to mention. But uh, you know, we we've had. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of progress that hasn't been public yet. Um, our hope right now is that by by next January uh, we will have at least one or two, maybe three conferences. Uh, uh, 
submitting a proposal to the NCAA for a vote in 2020. So uh, we, we had some progress with within uh, both the Big Ten and the ACC conference uh, last year, but it was it was uh, um, it was not quite there yet. But I do think we're making progress, and the coaches are working real hard. And I think if we can get uh, on a national vote, then I think uh, this time next year we'll be uh, in a full uh, political campaign model to to get the votes for this to pass. Uh, Dean, it has to pass. It has to pass. If if the NCAA cares at all about student athlete welfare, if the athletic administrators, the athletic directors, and the SWAs really care about what the mission that they say it is uh, in terms of student athlete experience, this is a model whose time has come. This is a model that makes sense. Uh, what we're doing right now uh, really makes no sense with a 10 to 12 day preseason, three games a week for 12 weeks in a row, with 40% of your games being midweek games, uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, what we're trying to do is simplify the whole process. Right now we have a, a traditional, non-traditional season. We actually have two seasons, uh, but we want to make it one season. You know, the fall becomes part of your qualifying campaign, and the championship happens in the spring. We have the exact same number of days, so we're not we're not expanding. We're actually reducing the number of games from 25 to 23, and reducing the hours we spend per week from 20 to 18. So we're actually asking for a better model that reduces the time demands on a student athlete and gives the chance for a sport to be successful. It it might be the biggest no brainer of all time. And it's frustrating that it's taken so long for people to come around, but slowly the tide is turning and the door will open and and soon we'll all be celebrating, I think, um, a model that will uh, that will really be a twenty first century uh, evolution into uh, the way maybe a lot of other sports should be as well. Yeah, you know, you talk about player safety as well, but kind of putting a true capper on it, it also allows you to truly showcase this sport the way you're going to do it on Friday night, to do it in the spring and summer when you've got good weather and can have good crowds to celebrate the best teams in the country. There's no question about it. I think that we, we're... Uh, with the, the current schedule really marginalizes the quality of the game, uh, the quality of the fan experience, uh, and and the quality of the student athlete experience. So I think that on all those different levels, uh, something has to change. And I I think that there's there's growing momentum. There's there's more and more education. The numbers are coming out. There is an NCAA study that will be completed uh, after this season that I believe will support our model. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that we've had to be patient and wait for that study to be completed because I believe that will help our cause. Finally, Sasha, last question as you look at uh, how dominant your teams have been over the years. What kind of adjustments have you had to make with the emergence of Major League Soccer and the academy system as you you know, go out and recruit and build your teams? Well, it's been it's been challenging. I think a lot of the top programs are facing the same thing with uh, the uncertainty of whether players will committed players will show up on campus or how long players who are here will stay on campus. And I think uh, you know the players who are not coming to college or leaving early, they're not leaving uh, for big money. They're leaving because uh, the current schedule, uh, in in their view, sets them behind their peers. 
uh, in terms of their in their development uh, scheme. So I think we've all had to adjust. I think we probably carry a slightly bigger roster. We constantly have uh, you know a, a deeper list of potential replacements. Um, I think this year a lot of programs lost players to the pros. I lost one in in, in early June of this year uh, who signed a pro contract. Um, so it, it, it's just it's our new reality. I think we're, we're all adjusting. Um, I do think there is room for conversations and processes um, that can be more congenial and more cooperative uh, with MLS and and some of the uh, the agents. Um, and I think those things are slowly happening. I hope hopefully they'll happen more. Uh, but hopefully we can simplify everything if we can get the schedule changed. Friday night, 6 o'clock, FS1, three-time defending champion Stanford at the house that Sasho built, Ludwig Field, the crew. Tell everybody listening right now why they need to either get out to Ludwig or should be watching that game. Well, everybody should. Everybody that's not in a, in a in a DMV, which is the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, uh, needs to tune in on FS1 uh, to really show show that we we do support college soccer. But I think it's going to be a great game. Um, it's it's two really proud programs. Um, you know, we're, we've been struggling a little bit, and it's important for us to to sort of uh, take the next step in our sort of redemption campaign. And uh, I know for Stanford, it's uh, it, it's it's a huge game and opportunity out here to. Uh, uh, you know, to show their pedigree. So it's a great game, but if anyone is in the area within three, four hours, you need to get here and get here early. Uh, gates will open at 4.30, but get here early with traffic. Uh, there should be a lot of buzz about the game. It should be a great game. It, hopefully it's a good showcase for college soccer. Uh, I can't wait. Our players are excited. Our fans are excited. Parents are excited. Everyone's excited. I'm excited as well. Sasso Sarosky, the legend that is the Maryland head men's soccer coach. Thanks so much for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Great to be with you, Dean. Thank you. So from one legend to another legend, Anson Dorrance, arguably the greatest coach in college, any sport, any gender of all time, 22 national titles in 40 years as the head coach of the UNC women's soccer team. He also coached the men in his early days. And last week he got win number 1,000. He's now at 1,001. Anson Dorrance, 22 national titles, head coach of the USA women when they won the World Cup in 1991 and a true friend of the United Soccer Coaches, just like Sasho. It's Anson Dorrance when we come back. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgold.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Sasha Sarosky for breaking down Friday night's first ever college soccer game on FS1. I'll have the call in Maryland as Maryland takes on three-time defending champion on the men's side, Stanford. And you talk about a, a guy who can run off champions. He's the greatest coach, any sport, any gender of all time. I say it all the time. I say it in the booth with him. I say it when I'm calling his games. 22-time national champion. 
champion head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heel women's soccer team, now in his 40th year. And a couple games ago, keep in mind he coached the men to 172 wins at UNC. And when he knocked off the Ohio State Buckeyes, that was win number 828. Now he's got 829. That means he has 1-0-0-1. That's right, 1,000 wins in the Division One college level. Talking about the great, the legendary Anson Dorrance. Anson, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Dean. Thank you. Okay, a thousand. You know, we had kind of fun. Uh, first of all, we have a great time. Full disclosure, calling the North Carolina Courage Games. We'll get into that. And I actually uh, had them build a graphic recognizing the fact that you were going to do it. We knew you were going to do it. And you were kind of a little bit like, ah, now they're making up stuff. But, you know, after you went through it, beating Ohio State, getting recognized with that a thousand jersey and the Gatorade dump and everything else, as you reflect on a thousand, now a thousand one wins, what are your thoughts? Well, obviously, uh, I still think it's an alchemy. I mean, Dave Losey, my SID, is a good friend, and he's always, you know, inventing different things to to honor me with. And so, what he did is he, you know, he collected the men's wins and the women's wins and added them together, and sure enough, it came up to a thousand. And I was teasing and joking with him, uh, telling him that, you know, I think what he also must have mi- mixed in with some of my intramural badminton wins or something, you know, just to come up with a a publicity worthy number so uh yes i mean obviously i'm incredibly uh, uh proud of uh, what that means it means uh, we've recruited an incredible collection of young women over the years and uh young men uh, when i was coaching the men over the years that had, had some success uh, with wonderful staff on both the men and the women's sides and and i think uh, this is reflective of a great university that is a recruiting beacon for these tremendous uh, young men and women to uh, compete in their uh, soccer uh, 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 games with. And I think it's reflective of uh, all those positive things. Anson, I feel like it's also kind of rolled into what has been just one long, continuous party because here's the deal. You're going for that 1,000 win. Again, like you said, you didn't make a big deal out of it, but we can make a big deal out of the fact that you opened up in your first four games against former Tar Heels, a lot of them big-time coaches. Janet Rayfield, your first-ever recruit. She's an Honor Award winner with the United Soccer Coaches. Lori Walker-Hawk has done amazing things at Ohio State. They won the Big Ten regular season title. Angela Kelly was a phenomenal player by way of Canada. Great coach at Tennessee. Now putting Texas on the map. And Tiffany Roberts-Sahedic, she was the first ever former player to beat you last year. You took care of her this year with that one nothing win. You know, all your alumni in. I mean, I feel like the UNC women's soccer program owns Franklin Street right now. At least they did for a little while. <laughs> well, uh, Dean, you've described it very well. We loved having everyone back. And honestly, the reason we invited them all back in, and these are all wonderful coaches uh, that are doing a great job with their programs, that we wanted to open our new stadium with these uh, wonderful Tar Heels. I wanted, uh, you know, the first uh, goal scored by an opponent to be scored by a a team coached by a Tar Heel. And if we were to take a hit uh, and lose a game, I wanted the first loss in the stadium to be to a Tar Heel. And then, of course, uh, Angie uh, tied us, and I wanted the first tie to be a against a Tar Heel coach. I wanted to honor uh, these wonderful uh, women and our legacy by playing them in the new stadium. It didn't happen. Unfortunately, it was all played in our practice complex, which, by the way, was also great fun. Um, but, yeah, I wanted to honor these amazing women that uh, uh, built this incredible uh, 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 tradition for us. Uh, and, unfortunately, <laughs> construction uh, delays got in the way and we weren't on there. But still, it was great seeing all of them. 
and their fine teams. It was also great having the alumni back because uh, we had uh, two separate weekends of uh, uh, alumni reunions. And for me, it was obviously incredibly special. They came back with their kids. They came back with their husbands. In fact, one of my favorite moments during the event was I'm sitting there with my uh, current varsity, and they're looking at over, <laughs> they're looking over at the incredibly good-looking husbands that our uh, <laughs> women managed to marry, and uh, they asked us, you know, uh, how they were trapped, you know, by our women because they just thought these guys were so uh, good-looking. And I said, well, let's go pull one of them over here and ask him. So we brought over uh, uh, Dave, uh, Christine Lilly's husband, uh, Dave Heavey. And uh, we said, well, Dave, you know, uh, how uh, you and Christine get together? And he says, well, he's a fireman up in Boston. And uh, Christine Lilly was out walking her dog, and he was out there, you know, throwing some garbage into a garbage truck. And uh, they sort of struck up a conversation. All of a sudden, Christine said, well, hey, uh, by the way, I'm going to the Olympics next week. And uh, uh, if we win the gold, do you want me to come back and show you guys the gold medal? And he said, sure. So he goes back <laughs> into the firehouse, and, of course, all the – other firemen were saying she was just trying to get a line to get rid of you. She was sick and tired of talking to you. And then, of course, then Christine came back with her gold medal. And, you know, now they're living happily ever after. All their kids were here. And so what I loved was the entire family atmosphere of the alumni uh, coming back on their campus to celebrate, uh, obviously, their great tradition. And for me, it was incredibly rewarding. All right. So that you really... Uh painted the right picture there. I, I didn't even put it together that you set up that schedule because they've got this beautiful facility that uh, was expected to be open. It's going to be incredible, but uh, construction delays, weather delays. Uh, are you going to be able to kind of put something similar together, Anson, or have you already got your schedule set for next year? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard. Also, the stadium might uh, uh, embrace us this year. It might be for a playoff game if we get it done early enough. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we had did all this uh, to try to, you know, honor the, the former uh, Tar Heels that are coaching. And I don't know if we can pull that off again. But here's one thing we did learn is the alumni want to get together more often. And I, my guess is we'll be able to pull off another reunion next year during uh, one of our weekends. And I think a part of it was because uh, uh, this uh, reunion was so successful. Yeah, it certainly was fun watching it uh, on social media, of course. Well, you talk about runs. You know, Jeremy Gunn um, is going to take on Sasso Sarosky on Friday. And, of course, Sasso also went to four straight Final Fours from 2002 to 2005. You went to too many Final Fours to count in a row. But now the dynamic of college soccer has changed, not just for the women, but for the men as well. And now Jeremy Gunn's won three in a row in this era where soccer is huge for men and women. Can you maybe tip your hat to what he's done at Stanford? Absolutely. I mean, that's a great achievement. And Stanford is a very difficult school for any of us to recruit against uh, men or women. In our demographic, you know, which is an upper middle class demographic, uh, there are very few parents out there that wouldn't love their kids to go to Stanford. And so they've got a, a recruiting edge on the men's side, on the women's side, uh, that is just incredibly powerful. I mean, Stanford's got a great combination of extraordinary academics, but also also with a full commitment to athletics. Obviously, it's in a beautiful part of the country, and uh, uh, they've got so many uh, things uh, that favor them in recruiting. And so, yeah, right now there is a bit of a West Coast tilt, and I have to credit uh, Stanford for leading the way. In fact, we're traveling out there to play them. Uh, I saw them play last year, and I was so impressed uh, with their team. Um, I'm going to get out there with my team and just see uh, what we've got to do to try to catch them. So uh, 
Yeah, they've done a fantastic job on the men and the women's side, and uh, they're to be respected. And it's not like they just do it in one or two sports. They do it across the board. Uh, they win the Directors' Cup every year. In fact, there's only two schools that have ever won the Directors' Cup, the University of North Carolina and Stanford. But, of course, Stanford has won it several hundred times, and I think we won it uh, the first time, uh, and that's it. So they're a great, uh, uh, powerful, and uh, difficult opponent for all of us on the men and women's side. And, yeah, we got to tip our hat to what uh, both of them have done uh, on both sides of the gender divide. Uh, it's to be respected. Okay, North Carolina, their upcoming games, they have Providence and Marquette over in a tournament at Duke. And then, in fact, uh, he just said it, at Santa Clara, Jerry Smith, his great team, and Brandy Chastain, and then Stanford uh, two days later. Uh, that's been a, a big thing for you always to play top-level teams before you get into the grueling ACC schedule, right? Well, that uh, prepares my kids, but also uh, it's like a training session. If you're going to play a great team, they're going to expose you. And, uh, and again, it's not just the, uh, the Stanford team. Uh, you're right to point out that we play Santa Clara first. They're having a great season. Uh, they're scoring some goals. Uh, uh, it's going to be a very tough weekend for us. And the way we look at it, it's just going to harden us. If uh, both teams wipe us out, then we've got some work to do. If we can steal something against uh, one of these teams or both of them, that's going to be great for us. So all we look at this is a positive learning experience uh, uh, and it's going to really test our kids, and that's exactly what we want if we want to develop a uh, elite athlete. Forty amazing years, fire still burning pretty strong, huh, Coach? Well, I love it. I mean, I love getting up in the morning. I get to hang out with these incredible young women. I get to be a part of their lives in the most positive way. But even more than that, I get to represent a great university, um, and I get to uh, do something I absolutely love. So for me, I'm totally spoiled and. Uh, yeah, I love uh, I love every day I have right now. Well, and you love soccer at the highest level, and that's internationally and then also professionally. And we teased about it earlier. You're able to join me in the booth for a few games every year for the North Carolina Courage, arguably the world's best professional soccer team. And when you're calling those games, you see Tar Heel after Tar Heel. And, and I, I feel like you're loving every bit of that as well. Yeah, I absolutely do. And I'm glad uh, that uh, Paul has recruited more Tar Heels for his roster. Um, I'm calling it three and a half because Merritt Mathias is out there. She played for us and Texas A&M. She won two national championships for us, so she's another Tar Heel added to obviously uh, uh, Crystal Dunn, uh, Heather O'Reilly, and Jessica McDonald. So uh, I love the fact that all he's doing right now is adding more Tar Heels to his roster. I certainly love it because I get to see these kids more often, and I think Paul enjoys it as well because, boy, his team keeps getting better. And NWSL keeps, though, making the international teams better. You talk about how it's really helped Australia. As you look at the international stage, and we just have two questions left so you can get to practice, uh, you think about NWSL and then the upcoming World Cup in France. Uh, does the U.S. have the team to win another World Cup, Coach? Yes, I think we do. And I think uh, Jill's done a great job. She's trying to layer in another idea that I think can make us special. Um, you know how much I believe in pressing. Well, I think uh, uh, she's uh, trying to get a U.S. team to press uh, aggressively as well. So she's throwing in another wrinkle. Uh, I know if I were a, a, a soccer player actively playing, the last thing I would like to see uh, is a team pressing me the whole time. And so I like that she's added this uh, wrinkle into a very fine U.S. team. I like the fact she's explored uh, all these different players. If you look at the number of new caps she's given out, the young players, I like that too because this means the older players 
don't get to sit back and be complacent in their roles. Uh, she's running the young kids at them, which is basically saying, you know, uh, you know stay awake because, you know, these young kids are coming. Uh, and I think she's going to form a wonderful roster. And I think she'll make a great run in this world championship in France. And we'll leave you with this, Anson, since we had Sasho on. As you know, he's been the biggest proponent for soccer being played year-round. It's been probably a more active issue on Division One men, but I feel like uh, Division One women, we're hearing uh, Anson Dorns chiming in a little bit about that thought. Any comment quick? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm totally in support of it. What uh, my colleagues don't understand on the women's side that don't support this venture for the men. We're 10 years behind the men, and we're going to have the same issues in 10 years that the men are having right now, which is a professional league picking off the best players, saying there's no reason to go to college. You've got a, you know, a three-month season. How is that going to develop you? That's going to bite us, too. I lost a player to the pro leagues uh, in Lindsey Horan. A UCLA lost one in Mal Pugh. Uh, I think the future for us, if we want to be a development uh, platform for the players in this country, is to make it basically a nine-month season, a a fall and a spring, and I think that's the direction where all of us should go in. Anson Dorrance, 1,001 wins, 22 national titles, a World Cup title as a head coach of the USA as well, and we are counting 1,002, 3, 4. It's going to keep on going. Anson Dorrance, the legend, thanks for being with us. Dean, my pleasure. Okay, hard to top. Sasso Sarosky from the men, Anson Dorrance from the women, talking college soccer at the D1 level. D2 kicks off this weekend. Next week, we will pop in on D2 and visit with a couple of their coaches as we spread the love. It's the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. We'll see you next week. United Soccer Coaches provides programs and services that enhance, encourage, and contribute to the development and recognition of soccer coaches, their players, and the game we love. Join today. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.